This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. An unusual set of tweets flustered Wall Street and forced a halt on the trading of the stock of Tesla yesterday afternoon. Elon Musk, the CEO, tweeted, am considering taking Tesla private at 420, referring to the dollars per share, funding secured. Then in another tweet, he added, shareholders could either sell at 420 or hold shares and go private. This occurred at the same time that news broke out of a Saudi investment fund taking a 5% stake in Tesla. So what was behind this move by Musk, and what does it mean for the future of the company? We're joined here in studio by Saikit Chowdhury, who is an adjunct associate professor of management here at the Wharton School, as well as executive director of the Mac Institute for Innovation Management. And then joining us on the phone, Peter Henning, professor at the Wayne State University School of Law, and also David Kirsch, who is an associate professor of management and entrepreneurship at the University of Maryland's uh, Business School. Uh, they join me to discuss what is next for Tesla. Saika, great to see you again. Thanks for coming in. Great to be here. Thank you, Peter. David, thank you for your time on the phone. Sure. Happy to be with you. Thank you. Yes. Th- thank you. So what did you make, Saika, uh, of the tweets by Musk? Well, uh, it would be easy to sort of, uh, I think, interpret this as one of uh, these usual crazy remarks by um, a founder who's successful but also erratic in many ways. I mean, obviously, Tesla's been having a lot of issues of late um, and with production and and ranging from that to thinking about, you know, his comments about sabotage and, and getting things under control. So he's probably a bit frustrated with uh, the investors and the pressures on him. Um, at the same time, I think there are reasons for him to think about going private, you know, uh, most notably uh, doing long-term changes and quickly changing things are possible of going, going private. And it wouldn't be uncommon for him. Look at SpaceX. It is yeah. private. Yeah. David? Well, I think it's a bit of a distraction, honestly. I, I can't imagine the, 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 the idea that the public markets have been in any way – unfair or, um, you know, mistreated Tesla and Elon Musk is really preposterous on the face of it. They've given him enormous latitude uh, to pursue the, 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 the story that he has told. So I, I think um, I, I can't imagine how taking the company private would, um, A, be feasible and B, um, work. I just it just strikes me as as more glitter in the face of investors. Peter, well, certainly his tweets. Um, he's shown that he's very much troubled by the people who have shorted Tesla and have been critical of the company. So uh, this may be a way to try to get at the uh, the shorts, people who sold the stock short. But it, it's a very strange way to go about announcing a going private transaction. Typically, you negotiate with the board before you make any announcement. And you also don't say to investors that you have secured financing. As best anyone can tell, it doesn't look like he has. There, there is the possibility that the SEC may take a look at this and say, you misled investors. So uh, communicating by tweet is not the best idea, certainly. <laughs> but that, that's something that actually he has done. And in fact, I guess there are there are standards put in place, Peter, of companies that will release certain information about the success, the successes of their company through social media these days, correct? 
Well, certainly you can do that, and the SEC has said this is one way you can communicate with investors. But the key is you have to communicate full and complete information. And uh, a nine- or ten-word tweet is hardly communicating uh, full <laughs> information. And, you know, it came out a couple hours later that, well, we're negotiating and things like that. But you have to be more careful. I suspect there were some corporate lawyers um, who viewed this as a very cringeworthy moment. And don't you also, at the same time, if you're going to do that on social media, don't you have to make an official statement through through traditional channels as well? Oh, absolutely. And, and it has to be the company that makes the statement. Uh, Tesla has said that Mr. Musk's uh, Twitter feed is an outlet for the company, but the company didn't respond very quickly. And so in those couple of hours, did you have shareholders misled? Now, would the SEC bring a case? Probably not. But you know that there is a plaintiff's attorney out there who is salivating at the possibility. So yeah. uh, I don't think we've heard the end of this. Psychic? No, I fully agree. I think, you know, building on my colleague's comments, um, the there are two things to look at. One is the process by which he's doing it. And the second is the merit of the content. You right. know? So um, with the process, I think we all agree, it was rather... Uh, unusual and unconventional and and uh problematic i think the the question becomes you know will going private at least for me becomes will that solve tesla's problems you know right, i think right. you know rather than like i mentioned an expression of uh, frustration you know at the moment and can he do anything differently i actually agree um that he has been given a lot of latitude i think it's the kind of thing where he has to learn either to deal with the markets and the pressures as they come. So when there are problems with Tesla, which there will be, like there are with uh, any new venture of that kind, and pressures on the short term in particular, then he has to either decide, can I deal with it in the open forum and with these uh, shareholders, or do I want to really go private and do yeah. things on my own and not worry about it? And then there's the other part to where Tesla's still trying to figure out how to turn a profit at this point. And, <laughs> exactly. you know, been around for, what, 13, 14 years at this point. I mean, this is a, this is a significant issue, not only for the company, but for, for Mr. Musk as well. Absolutely right. And uh, that's what happens. You know, when you're private, nobody bothers you with these kinds of things, except those who are in the inner circle and yeah. uh, here, you know, people will pressure you and uh, you have to make a choice. So, David, do you do you think that, that maybe it's time for Tesla to consider going private? I, I you know, as I said, I think it's uh, it's a canard. Um, I think he's just trying to distract people from the underlying problem, which is he can't uh, the company is not making money and has not made money in all but one quarter uh, of its 13-year existence. And the challenge for com companies need to make money. And uh, the the promise has been the, the mass-produced, affordable electric vehicle, um, you know, that competes with the uh, standard – uh, um, you know, sort of internal combustion vehicle, comparable internal combustion vehicle. And that has been the goal for uh, uh, electric vehicle makers for uh, 120 years. Um, and it's it's has not been realized. And if Musk cannot deliver on that promise, everything else is immaterial. It really is. So uh, if it's private, I think, you know, the idea that it would be somehow easier for him dealing with an empowered board that would yeah. actually tell him, hey, stop wasting your time 
um, doing whatever other things you're doing and make money for us. Uh, I don't think that that uh, Elon Musk would would enjoy that very much. And frankly, if I were a, a large uh, sovereign wealth fund or a private investor, I'm not sure I'd really want to try and argue or fight with Elon Musk. He's shown right. no uh, evidence of actually uh, responding to, uh, to listening to anyone but himself. Yeah, and, and also the fact that, as you kind of alluded to, and I mentioned at the top, uh, David, the fact that I guess uh, in the last day or so there had been the announcement of the Saudi investment fund taking about a 5% stake in Tesla. Yeah, we don't know what the pricing of that was. Um, we don't know what 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 terms were were you know uh, supplemental terms were offered. There's an, an enormous amount of debt coming due. Um, you know, we don't know what that number for where the 420 number comes from. Um, you know, this just just smacks of all sorts of of games. So then, do you, do, so then, do you think that he could get the proverbial slap on the wrist from the SEC? Uh, well, I, I defer to our law professor for, okay. for, for that, but I think the <laughs> the question of I, I'm, there will lawsuits will be filed, I'm sure. And my understanding is that the SEC will give usually give companies a few days to um, release uh, official information that's uh, initially contained in a tweet. So you know they'll have a few days to yeah. come forward with a realistic plan, and if there if there is not something to back up that funding secured statement uh then 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 he could be uh um in some jeopardy peter well uh, it's certainly yeah i think it's the funding secured that is an assertion to uh investors that this deal is going to go forward and you know the the idea that in a going private transaction typically it is funded by the company's current cash flow. Um, if I remember correctly, Tesla has a <laughs> negative current cash flow. Uh, who are they going to get to lend for this? Um, and so I, I think if the SEC wants to make an example of someone, um, th th this might be the person to make the example of. It is going to get noticed. Um, and one of the ways that the, the securities laws are best enforced is to get everyone's attention. And would they impose a slap on the wrist? Yeah, maybe a modest fine. But one way the SEC likes to regulate is by settlement agreements and say to everyone else, don't do this. Uh, don't come out with an announcement that essentially says we've got a done deal when you don't. <laughs> and in fact, from a corporate governance point of view, uh, typically it, there have to be extensive negotiations to protect the minority shareholders. Tesla is a Delaware company, and so you have to create a special committee of the board and go through all sorts of hoops to get there. And I don't think the SEC likes this kind of gun jumping. So maybe they make this their example. Second. I think um, going a bit further, the interesting question is there are obviously issues of corporate governance here, which my colleagues have pointed out, but uh, and also of leadership, though. You know, So is this way to lead a company, especially it, when there are challenges uh, which are being faced? We know that you know, changing the dynamics of an industry, which uh, Tesla sought out, to, sought out to do, is not easy. 
Um, you know, we've seen our moments due to other reasons where the founders, such as in Uber's case, for example, had to step aside and then let others take over. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is a moment which uh, will allow other management to perhaps come in and, and uh, think about the future of a Tesla. You know, so I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think that... Mr. Musk would be too happy about that. I, I was going to say, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he would e- even consider that even as an consider. option. Of that. Yeah. yeah, but it is a, it is a question to, uh, to sort of uh, put out there. But I think there is a little bit of a period for him to retract or at least you know, back up what he does you know, or make some amends and, and give some explanation, which is very important. For me, the substance matters a lot, though, in terms of what will he do to actually tackle some of the challenges at Tesla and, uh, and move the company forward. Uh, it's not easy. You know, we often romanticize the disruption. Story: Somebody comes in and just displaces the incumbent. Yeah. Clearly, uh, production is something which is not that easy uh, in a very technologically advanced modern car. And so there are yeah. established players who do it better. Uh, even on the automobile front in design and so forth, you know, and uh, the mass car is very different from a niche product. So there are a lot of questions, strategic and, and uh, innovation-wise, but also leadership-wise. Well, I, I find it interesting that, in part, you're talking about an industry, as you said, and both have said, uh, all have said, excuse me, that, I mean, it has been traditional for such a long period of time, and now you have the idea of the electric of electric vehicle coming forward. We see... You know, pieces of success with Tesla, obviously seeing Tesla vehicles out on the road and people seem to be happy with the vehicle when they get it. But again, the production issues and and trying to mass market a lower cost version for the public and having enough people to be able to cover all of those costs and the production line issues as well, it has been an incredible challenge for him to be able to try and and, and move this process along as fast as he probably would like to have seen. Absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, we have to think about the, um, uh, you know, you have to have an entire supply chain in place and you have to really do um, uh, the end to end process, not just the product development or the conception, but really implementation. And that's different in an Internet uh, based business as opposed to, for instance, you know, producing a car or a spacecraft or an aircraft or something like that. And these are capital-intensive uh, businesses where a lot of expertise is required. So let's see. Maybe Tesla at some point will end up more as a battery company. That's one vision yeah. that's been put out there. Maybe it will be a full-fledged car company. Um, but these are important decisions that have to be made. David, what are your thoughts on on, uh, on whether or not the battery company may take a, a, a more significant impact moving forward? It's certainly possible. There's They have some uh, advanced... Uh, you know they have some IP and they've they've done some good things in that space. Uh, I think you know what we've seen over the last couple of years is is a a series of new stories. There's always a it's a new narrative, a new uh, kind of look at this, look at what Tesla can do. So um, and at each point, what it's had the effect of doing is. Uh, prolonging, extending the the time horizon, um, postponing the day of reckoning when investors can look at the company and say, is this a profit-making concern that is um, doing what they've said they're capable of doing and and making money doing it? So, for instance, the, um, uh, the, the Gigafactory, in many respects, was 
just such a Hail Mary. You know, they were just coming up to the sort of release of Model 3. There was, you know, a whole set of, of, of um, uh, kind of reveals that were there were, you know, we were we were about to the uncertainty was about to be reduced in terms of what the company was capable of doing. And then they said, oh, no, we're going to put five billion dollars in the ground in outside Reno to make to make uh, fancy batteries, you know, again, from a kind of transaction costs approach, from any sort of rational uh, governance, why would you be taking uh, billions of dollars more onto your uh, onto your balance sheet? This is, uh, you know, they're established players in the battery industry. Panasonic had been supplying um, batteries to Tesla for some time. Why wouldn't you just enter into a joint venture of some sort right. um, or uh, establish a licensing deal? So, you know, at each – and then, you know, there have been the, 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 the second roadster that goes up into space, the um, – the, uh, you know the the semi truck, the autonomous vehicle, you know yeah. autonomous and self drive. So I mean, there, it's just every few months when it looks like the sort of, um, you know, the, the uncertainty is about to be resolved and we're about to actually have a, a, a true read on whether the firm is capable of doing what it says it it it, it can do and make money doing. Um, there's a kind of a change of of story. And that so that's I think pumping up the stock, and I, that's just you know uh, we we started off talking about burning the shorts. You know that is I, I think <laughs> uh, Mr. Musk is really really wants to make those short sellers suffer. But let's not forget it is the most shorted stock uh, on the market. So you know there, there's a lot of a lot of people smart money betting against this company succeeding. So, you know, I, I think uh, the, the battery is just one of the stories in my mind. Um, and I think, you know, I, I would say to investors, uh, you know, um, if you can afford to buy the car, not the stock. Yeah. Because it's a cool car and it's doing great. He's doing great things. I want the car to succeed, but I, I feel uh, I'm quite conflicted about this no, this manner of uh, kind of managing uh, the public face of the company. But Peter, that's where the, the, the concern from the regulators comes in is the fact that, you know, as this announcement was made uh, after the, uh, uh, the halt on trading, the price of the stock did go up. And if this were to continue and get to 420, then obviously uh, Mr. Musk and the company and, and, and the investors have made quite a, 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 a piece of change over whatever period of time that uh, would actually come forward. And that would obviously be a concern potentially for uh, for the regulators. Peter? Asking the question of, you know, has there been any kind of is there any manipulative intent uh, going on here and you know as you look at tesla we keep getting um as others have said we keep getting a different story but their investors seem to be the true believers um there's almost a religious aspect to being a tesla shareholder but certainly the uh, the SEC is going to look at not what a true Tesla believer considers, but what would a reasonable investor consider? That's the standard for analyzing um, disclosure. 
So uh, what will be interesting is over the next couple of weeks, what does the company say? And will they will Musk pull back from this going private? Because he's going to have to come up with an awful lot of money and the SEC is going to want to see those cards on the table. So, you know, if I'm a regulator, I'm looking at this going, what is the real story here? And are they playing a shell game? Psych it. I think what we're seeing play out is also the underlying tension between the entrepreneur who has a reasonable amount of money, um, not um, all the money in the world, um, having visions and ideas uh, versus the practical realities of actually being able to implement and realize those ideas. And I think that's something that needs to be resolved in the company, um, but also with uh, Mr. Musk himself. You know, I mean, what does he want to take on and really pursue? And how does he handle those tensions and under what circumstances? So I think there's a bit of a reality check that uh, he'll have to undergo. The handling the tensions part is obviously, I think, for some people, the concern that I think some have with Tesla right now in that we've seen somewhat erratic activity from Mr. Musk over the course of the uh, the last decade or so. Exactly right. And and I think also there is a, you know, he's coming up there a whole set of um, Uh, um, corporate debts that are going to come due in the next uh, six to nine months. And so once, if the company does not meet certain um, stock price targets, um, those trigger uh, considerable dilution to existing shareholders. And so at that point, then the the bubble does start to burst. So this may be, in some respects, his last chance to try and and manipulate the stock. You know, he, he as I said, the, the sort of the trap is closing. The time window will eventually close. He can only postpone the day of reckoning for so long, and so this he may this may be sort of one of his last uh, last arrows in his quiver, frankly. And if he has to pay a, fo- a small fine, it may be um, worth it to him um, if it if he thinks he can make some of these big uh, uh, hedge fund investors uh, suffer um, for having shorted the, the stock. But I think the, you know, the, at some point, um, we do get a true view into um, the, the nature of the play. Does it work? Does his, is his vision, can his vision be realized? And, and we will know, what, maybe in three months, maybe in a year or two, uh, it can't go on forever. Second. That's right. And I think the um, what's really at, at play here is the credibility issue. You know, so um, if investors, you know, still believe in Mr. Musk or sufficient investors do, we'll see the story continue. If uh, some investors start having doubts or doubt his credibility, authenticity, genuineness um, and ability to realize these things, that's when you'll start to see things crumble. And uh, I think we all want to see a good impact on the industry and positive change taking place, but in a manner which is sustainable. Yeah. And that's what we all hope for. But if you do go down that, that hole, uh, Peter, then then that's when you start to get into uh, the, the, the legal concerns of people challenging exactly what he's doing, how he you know brought it forward, and obviously with these tweets as potential evidence of what he said. Oh, absolutely. And the first group, that is going to uh, start fighting him are the shareholders. Um, you will get the, the plaintiff's attorneys are going to bring uh, shareholder derivative suits. And if the company starts to spiral, spiral downward, then that is a classic basis on which you try to hold current directors and management responsible. So 
Uh, I do think there, there's a real risk here over the next six to 12 months that if uh, Tesla doesn't actually start delivering and generating some kind of profit, I mean, you've got a company here that I've got to believe their um, stock price is astronomical just based on hope. Yeah. Well, at some point, that, that's going to end. Um, and you have to produce. Now, you know, I'm I'm from Detroit, and, uh, you know, the, Henry Ford is the model of the person who actually made money hand over fist by changing the industry. Is Elon Musk the next Henry Ford? Um, uh, we'll see. Um, I, you know, he hasn't shown it yet, but maybe. But but we, you're right. It's the uh, next few months. So far, he's lost money hand over fist. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, let's be honest yeah. and, and say it, call it what it is. So there's a way in which Tesla is perceived as this success story, and that's a tribute to what he has accomplished to date and, uh, you know, the, the many firsts to which he is uh, entitled to lay credit. Um, but the actual transformation of the industry through the production, uh, mass production of an affordable um, electric vehicle for everyone, that has not yet been, uh, th- he has not succeeded at that. Yeah. Well, Peter- so we just have to be very careful. And, and, and in, in fact, in a way, you know, we've been spending this time talking about the stock price and his tweets. And, you know, that's kind of his strategy, if you if you will. Yeah. Because we haven't been talking about the, the real the detailed challenges of of bringing this product to market. Is there demand? This, to me, is the underlying question. He They tout all the reservations yeah. for yeah. the for the Model 3, um, and then, then it was an issue, well, can they, when can they reach 5,000 per week? And there's the Bloomberg tracker, and everyone's you know, tweeting this and that. But the, the real question is, will people pay uh, what a price that will su- sustain the company um, and, uh, and lead to the transformation of the industry when even a $35,000 electric vehicle <laughs> is still much, much more expensive than a, a similarly, you know, if I go to my Toyota dealer, I can get a really nice Camry for $22,000, dollars $27,000 that I know will last, you know, will run a quarter of a million miles and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's just you know, this is a big challenge to go head on into this particular piece of the automotive industry. And that's what we really need to be focused on, in my opinion. Which which also, David, uh, it, it makes you wonder, you know, Peter mentioned uh, about the, the legal potential legal challenges coming from investors. You know, where do the people that are that are car owners or were on that waiting list, you know, what happens with them? I would think there would be some sort of legal challenge from them at some point as well. Well, I think in my view, um, if the company really does implode, um, there's enormous. I think, you know, the brand is is quite uh, uh, valuable. And I think these these car owners are not going to be abandoned. You know, right. I'm, I'm actually on the record as saying uh, in 2018, Tesla will be acquired. Uh, you know, w- w- one of the things that might happen is that Tesla could be acquired at a fire sale price by a Daimler or a, uh, a, one of the big European com- car companies uh, because uh, pe- people will buy someone will buy it. There's there's value there, right. but it's just not. You know, it's it's worth what Porsche's worth, not what. Um, not four hundred dollars a share, Peter. 
Uh, so I agree. And, um, you know, it, if the company cannot start delivering consistent results, um, th- that could explain why Musk wants to take it private, that, you know, one of the downsides to going public is that you've got auditors there. And if an auditor takes a look and says, we have serious concerns about whether this company can exist going forward, then that's going to have an effect on the stock price and it's going to make it harder to raise money. Um, you know, at the, at the moment, um, Musk and Tesla have been able to raise money almost by snapping their fingers. Um, will that end? Uh, that, that's really going to be the interesting part of the story going forward. They're burning through cash and, Are they going to be able to keep raising money? Are they going to be able to meet their debt covenants? Mm -hmm. That's where a death spiral can start. Great having you all with us today. Peter, David, thank you very much for joining us on the phone. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you both. And Saika Chowdhury joining us here from uh, at the Wharton School. Very thanks for him joining us as well. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 